Hey church, it's so awesome to have you all along tonight. Um, we're blessed to be in your, um, have you with us and um, yeah, be in presence with God. Um, and yeah, we just really pray that um, God sets a new path for you and really um, shines into what God has in store for you. Um, the Bible verse today comes from Revelation 3, um, 14 to 21. Um, yeah. So it's a um, letter to the church of Lacedia. Um, to the angel of the church in Lacedia write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, so you, be- you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those, who I'm love- those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Just going to invite Nick up. Anybody, everyone wants to bow their heads as we pray um, for Nick's. Hey God, um, we want to thank you for the beautiful people that you've put in this congregation um, and the work that you're doing in each one of these beautiful people's lives, God. Um, want to thank you for the, um, yeah, the, um, the joy and the um, confusion and the sometimes clarity that you are stirring within us, God. Um, I want to thank you for um, the path that you are setting before us. Um, I want to thank you for the leadership and the guidance and the discernment that um, you've placed um, within Nick and um, the guidance that he's um, pushing through for this church, God. Um, I want to thank you for what you've laid on his heart tonight and what you have in store for um, his people to hear in this church, God. I pray that whatever um, Nick speaks out tonight, God, may it be um, stirred within us and Um, allow us to take a new step forward and um, have the courage to be vulnerable and share and um, let you in and invite you into those areas that are hidden or dark um, yeah or bring us uncertainty or unclarity God so we just pray into that God thank you amen Um, thank you so much Ariana and uh, appreciate you being involved tonight I think uh, I'm just going to prop that bible over there free copy for you Tim and Piper for your lives ahead um, yeah thank you for reading and uh, Harry thank you for leading tonight uh, it's great to have you involved sorry it's been a bit difficult you know with the microphone there but we try and do that when people lead for the first time just to keep them on their toes and see how they cope under pressure so I think Harry coped really well didn't he just give an amazing job thank you Harry <laughs> we didn't do it on purpose but uh, and Danny, thank you for leading us uh, beautifully in prayer and for Tim and the team um, for leading us in worship so beautifully. I appreciate that. 
Uh, we're going to go to the last letter tonight of this uh, series. Uh, we've called it Love Letters from God. Uh, the premise being that sometimes uh, the Bible says some challenging things and some um, confronting things to us. And we live in a culture that is very sensitive uh, to offence, is very sensitive to, to having feelings hurt, and um, is very cautious around that. And we tend to be more and more becoming uh, a type of society that just shuts out and blocks out um, people we don't want to hear it or listen to or people we might have difficulty with or someone we're not happy with. Um, we tend to want to cut them off, silence them, shut them down, um, get in our own little kind of social media echo chambers, cultivate and curate our social media feeds so that we just hear and see and respond to what we like and what we enjoy. And look, there's some advantages perhaps sometimes in, in not, you know, having people annoy you all the time or, or difficult things being said or challenging things. But on the other hand, um, growth spiritually, you know, emotionally, mentally, growth um, presupposes that there'll be pain, there'll, there'll be challenges. Any, any growth requires pain and, and the growth of, of faith as well. And these letters bring some painful words to the church. And uh, we need to not necessarily just feel that offense and those, those barriers go up, but to hear the heart of God that God loves us so much that he speaks truth to us. And, you know, just like, you know, you'd want a surgeon or, a, you know, someone important, uh, a role in your life to tell you the truth and to be honest with you. Um, so God is honest with us and he, he speaks truth to us. And it's in love. So as we listen tonight to this letter, perhaps one of the most challenging letters of the seven, uh, just remember, uh, it's written to the church in love. Now, Laodicea, uh, it's kind of an interesting place. And um, <clears throat> I've been there, and I took that photo there of one of the main streets of Laodicea. Uh, all the poppies are out. It was really beautiful. This is obviously, it's, it's in ruins. It's not a functioning city today. Uh, but it was really powerful walking along that road and just imagining the city and wondering because houses were kind of on the sides of that street as well as shops and wondering, wow, were, this, were these where some of the, the first followers of Jesus lived along this street and did they meet there perhaps in what is now ruins but in that house? And just imagining what it would have been like to be followers of Jesus in this um, very rich and powerful city in the Roman Empire and um, be a, a minority, a tiny minority, a despised minority, uh, a, a scorned minority, and what it would have been like. But Laodicea, let's just go with Laodicea. Um, the first rule of reading things uh, from the front, from the Bible, tricky names, is just say them boldly. And everyone goes, ah, so that's how you say it. Um, so Laodicea, it was a wealthy city. Uh, it, it had great commercial um, foundations in banking. Uh, it was famous for its medical school. It was destroyed by a massive earthquake, which leveled many cities in that region in modern-day Turkey, central uh, Turkey, in 60 AD. The inhabitants were able to reconstruct the city without any outside help. Uh, the church in the city was perhaps founded by a guy called Epaphras. He was just your, kind of a, a, a local Christian guy in the area who'd come to Christ probably through Paul's ministry. 
um, and Laodicea received uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. We'll just have a look at that in a moment. But the city was fairly powerful and rich, and many of the other cities, perhaps most of them when the earthquake leveled them, received funds from the Roman Empire to help rebuild the city. But Laodicea said, we got this, we got the money, we got the resources, we can do it. Uh, thank you very much, Emperor, but we're fine. So it was a, a self-sufficient, powerful city, and I think that plays into the letter as it unfolds. Uh, for the church community, its culture was kind of self-sufficient. But uh, in terms of just a little bit of background in the New Testament, Paul talks about the church to Laodicea in his letter to the Colossians. He says, I'm working, contending really hard for the people at Laodicea. Um, and he talks about Epaphras, his co-worker. Uh, I love this, how Paul names people in his letters, real people like you and me who were just serving Jesus, and they ended up in the Bible. That's pretty good, hey? Um, uh, Epaphras, he's one of you. He's writing to the Colossians. So just keep in mind that Laodicea, Laodicea was kind of a, a central city. Col- Colossae was kind of over this way towards the mountains, and, and another city, Heropolis, was kind of over here uh, in, in the other high mountains, and Laodicea was in the valley. That'll become important in a moment for another reason, just to remember that geography. But Epaphras for, was from Colossae. He might have helped found the church at Laodicea. Um, Paul says he's working hard for Laodicea and Heropolis, and he says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So a woman by the name of Nympha, that's about all we know of her. She hosted the church in Laodicea in her home, uh, which all of the churches for the first 300 years of the Christian faith were, were in homes. There were no designated public buildings for churches. They were all home-based for 300 years. Um, did pretty well too, without buildings. Um, so... Paul then says, when you've read the letter, the Colossians, they receive his letter. He says, when you've read that letter, copy it, pass it on to the church at Laodicea and the other churches in the area. And then how's this, he says, and then um, make sure that you read the letter that I sent to Laodicea. This is just for Bible nerds here. Um, Where's the letter? We don't have it, right? So Paul, we don't have all Paul's letters. So he wrote a letter to the Laodiceans, and he says, you know, um, Colossians, can you read that? Like, we don't know what it was. I'd love to know what it was in the light of, of this passage here tonight from Jesus to the church in Laodicea. I'd love to know what Paul wrote to them. But we'll, we won't know unless there's some sneaky archaeological discovery somewhere in a cave in that region uh, that finds the scroll. But let's move on nonetheless. Bible nerd time over. Um, in most of the letters, pretty much all of them, follow this framework. Um, so you can see Jesus is organized and planned in the way he writes these letters, communicates them to the Apostle John through this vision, um, and they follow a certain structure. Don't ever think that structure or organization or planning is, uh, is kind of non-spiritual. It's very spiritual. And uh, just a plug there for all you admin people out there, all you A-type personalities, it's okay. Jesus gets you. Um, The first is the characteristics. So this is a a description of of a particular characteristic of Jesus. And he writes to the angel at the church at Laodicea, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And we just sang that song. Remember? It was like, Amen. Amen. It means so be it, the last word. And Jesus is saying to the church, I am the last word. I am the so be it. I, am the, I have the final word. Uh, I get the final word. And that's good news. The world doesn't end in chaos and disorder and darkness and despair. 
and climate catastrophe necessarily, um, it ends with Jesus having the last word. He gets to have the last word in our lives and in this world. And he is the faithful and true witness. He's the only human being in his human enfleshment that lived faithfully and truly before God. Without sin, he lived obediently. He's a faithful and true witness in his earthly life. But more than that, look at what he, he names himself, the ruler of God's creation. The last, I get the last word, I'm the faithful and true one. I'm the ruler of God's creation. So you should listen to me. Um, you should listen to this letter because it's written with authority and it's written with the expectation, not for a dialogue and a conversation, but for the church to hear the heart and the insight and the love and the truth of its king, of its Lord. So let's go to the compliment that Jesus gives this church. You ready? All right. There it is. There's no compliment. Now, if you've kind of been in HR or, you know, sort of people management, one of the things they tell you is if you're going to give you know, criticism or a hard word, you've got to soften it with, with something first. Like, you know, I noticed that you tidied your desk. Yeah, it's great. Um, by the way, your work sucks. You know, you kind of just, that's, that's general PR. You, you soften criticism with that. And then at the end, it's like, and yeah, look, I like your haircut. Uh, you, so it's called the sandwich. You kind of this bread on this side, you're soft, and then you get the meat in the middle, get the hard word, and then a sandwich and the bread on the other side. But Jesus, he's not, he doesn't care. <laughs> he's like, I don't need to soften this. I speak the truth, and um, church, I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to what I have to say. So th- there's no compliment. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them, which we'll see in a moment. But here's the criticism of the church at Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind, and naked. And the, the phrasing there, I will spit you out of my mouth, it's not too big a step to say, The word is, I will spew you, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's, it's, I I think it's stronger than spit. And it's very powerful. Imagine, you know, church has come together in Laodicea. We've received this letter from the Apostle John, you know, to the church. And, you know, what do we do now? Do we sing a song? Where do we go from here, church at Laodicea? This is pretty hard. Um, It's a strong word. And imagine that that you, you're in the church there and, and you're hearing this and... And this is what Jesus is saying to you. It's, it's very strong and it's very powerful um, in, its, in its truth, in its starkness. But it, it's from Jesus. So let's sit with it, let's hear it, and let's, um, let's let the words come to us and let's unpack them a little bit. Uh, one commentator, Cindy Parker, says, The letter to Laodicea claims that the works of the church are ineffective. The hot, cold, and lukewarm comparison is one of healthy versus unhealthy or potent versus impotent. Therefore, it is not the spiritual temperature but the ineffectiveness of the church that is condemned. 
So Jesus is specifically speaking to the deeds, the activities of the church, their effectiveness in mission and ministry. And he doesn't criticize them for doctrine. There's no heresies here. There's no Nicolaitans or Jezebels or there's no kind of immorality that he highlights has happened in some other churches. They're kind of pretty solid, you know. They're a well-off church. They're strong um, in terms of perhaps financially. They, they seem self-sufficient. They say we're rich. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay. But they're not really seeing the truth of their condition and their situation. They're, they're self-deceived. And just keep in mind that lukewarm, hot, cold reference. You know, I mentioned the geography of Laodicea. It was in like the Lycus Valley in, in central Turkey. Over here is Colossae where the snow-capped mountains um, brought freezing ice-cold water to Colossae. And in Heropolis up here in these mountains... Uh, which I've been to these hot springs. They're still famous today for the hot springs. And hot water used to flow down into the valley from Hierapolis. And Laodicea is right in the middle and didn't have, its, didn't have a stable water source. So by aqueducts, it used to bring water in from these other places. So you've got the ice-cold water of Colossae. You've got the nice hot water of Hierapolis. But you've got Laodicea in, in the middle. By the time the water gets there, it's neither hot nor cold. It's lukewarm. So Jesus is referring to the geography of the church in his critique and his rebuke of them, uh, which is interesting. He pays attention to where we live. He knows what we're doing. Uh, And uh, it's important to hear that. So let's just move on to what Tom Wright says, another commentator about this criticism. Jesus addresses the church with a mixture of sorrow and it seems real anger. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. He translates it vomit. Vomit is not too strong a word here. Jesus is disgusted at the taste of Laodicean Christianity. It makes him sick. It's a strong word. You know, here's this church and, and it's like Jesus says to them, We'll see in a moment a bit more of the, the love that's behind this. But I love you, but like when I see you late this year, or your church, the activities and what you're about, you're, you're, I kind of go, Whoa. it's just, I love you, but oh, I feel sick. And it's strong, strong language. And I remember when I was in primary school many years ago, and I had a friend, uh, his name was Simon, and one day I had a sleepover at Simon's house, and uh, might have been about 12 years old, 11 or 12, and we were looking at some of his family photos, and his mum was showing us some, some baby photos when Simon was a kid. And there was one that I remember, and Simon, um, when he was a baby, had, there's babies too, I mean, that's no criticism on a baby, but he kind of soiled his cot, and um, number twos and and what he had done unbeknownst to his mum and dad who who hadn't caught him in time he became like a poo Picasso and he he kind of covered the walls near his cot uh, with poo it was all over his face it was all over his hair Uh, and this photo was there of Simon kind of smiling as a baby just covered in poo and poo all around the walls around his cot and And I thought, I shared this this morning, I thought, this is a risky illustration, but I'm going to go with it. But it it struck me that this is kind of the church at Laodicea to Jesus. Because Simon's mum, what is she going to do? You know, she she loves her child. She's going to go in and pick him up and, and clean it up. But 
she loves him, but he stinks. She loves him, but this is a disgusting scene, and it's nauseating. And I think this is, if I may, just posit a little picture of perhaps Jesus, how he sees the church at Laodicea. I love you guys. You know, I love you, but you stink. <laughs> you, I feel nauseous in terms of the effectiveness of your deeds and, and, and the way you're living out your faith in me. It's, it's nauseating. And it's a strong word, but it is a word from Jesus. So he gives them a command, and the command is, is fairly straightforward. Jesus doesn't need lots of words to get his message across. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And these three things here, interestingly, again, in Laodicea, in terms of its economy, it was a banking financial centre and one of the main currencies of the day was gold. So they had lots of gold. Um, the city had lots of gold. It rebuilt its own city. It didn't need outside funds. It had gold. And perhaps many of the Christians in the church had gold too. They were well off. They were doing okay. They were comfortable. And Jesus says, actually, that gold's not going to be of real use to you. Get real gold from me, the gold of faith, the gold of love, the gold of walking with me uh, in commitment and sacrifice. Get the gold of faith from me. And then he says, you need some white clothes to wear. Now, Laodicea, in the region around, they had a particularly um, fine quality wool that was black. It was um, from black sheep and it was a very sought after and luxurious thread. So Laodiceans would have, would have had good threads. They would have dressed well. They would have been quite comfortable with their clothing. And yet Jesus says, that clothing is not what you really need. You need the clothing of my love, my righteousness to cover you. You need the clothing of, of my goodness and life covering you, the white clothes that I give you. That's what you really need. Um, not these other trendy threads that you're wearing. And then he says, I counsel you to put salve on your eyes because you're spiritually blind. Now, it just so happens that Laodicea uh, was a center that produced an eye ointment and salve that was made by crushing certain rocks into a paste and they exported this uh, to the cities and world around them. So they would have had generally good eyesight because they had this eye ointment and salve that they used and Jesus says well your physical eyes might be good but you need some salve to clear your spiritual sight so you can see so you can see what is true so you can see the reality of your situation the reality of your lukewarmness your apathy your ineffectiveness your self-deception as a people and then in terms of coldness and heat, I kind of parallel it, I think, to blindness and sight. Um, they are comfortable and self-sufficient and they're doing well in their own eyes, but they're under a spell of self-deception. And as I said earlier, it, it's not easy to hear the truth uh, about ourselves sometimes, but I think ultimately the pain that we experience by hearing the truth 
truth short term is far better than the long-term pain of self-deception, the long-term pain of living deceived, uh, the short-term pain of hearing the truth about ourselves is far better than the long-term pain of living in self-deception. On the surface, they look good. Materially, they are rich, but spiritually, they are malnourished and sick. And if you could see them outwardly, you'd think these are comfortable, well-off, good-looking people who have a lot going for them. But actually, if you could see spiritually their spiritual state, they're malnourished, they're sick, but they don't know. They think they're doing all right, and that's the challenge. And I think there's a parallel to this in the Gospel of John where Jesus heals a blind man in chapter 9 in John's Gospel, and um, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, and the religious leaders get involved, and they're upset at Jesus for healing. They, they're angry at Jesus for all sorts of things. So they question the man, they call him in, and this is the very end of that story uh, where Jesus is talking to the blind man who's been healed and to the religious leaders, the, the ones who uh, are the authority in the temple area. Uh, and the the Jewish people. And he says, um, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees, some religious leaders were there, and they heard him say this, and they said, So what? Are we blind too? Jesus, are you saying that we're blind too? And Jesus says this, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. How could you be guilty of sin if you're ignorant and blind? But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And I think this is a parallel in the Laodicean church where they thought they could see, they thought they had spiritual sight, but actually they were blind. They were lukewarm and they couldn't see it. And therefore that's a problem. And it's a problem that Jesus addresses to them. Um, so perhaps it would be better to not know Jesus than to say you know him and live like you don't. Is that what Jesus is saying here? I wish you were cold rather than lukewarm. I'd prefer you to be cold. It would be better to not know Jesus than to say you know him and live like you don't. Because if you're spiritually dead, if you don't know him, there's a chance of coming to life, being raised to life in him and coming alive to that, that hotness of faith. Jesus focuses on their deeds as the source of his nausea. They are apathetic, passive, and ineffective. So it's their deeds. It's not their identity. It's not who they are in him. Uh, they are his people. And, and this is what he says to them. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. I love you, Laodiceans. You're my friends. So be earnest. Like Take this seriously and repent. You've got to change. You've got to change the way you're living. You've got to change the way you're thinking. Here I am. <laughs> Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's such a beautiful invitation. Jesus is saying, I love you. You're my friends. I, I want to share my life with you. I want to walk with you and live with you and guide you in your lives. But look at the picture here. He's, he's outside the church. He's outside. And he's, he's saying, knocking, he's saying, I want to come in. 
let me in. Let me in. And let's share life together. Let me guide you. Let me lead you. Um, let me share my life with you. That beautiful image of eating, of, of joining together around the table. Uh, as we, we do each week here, when we, or each month when we have communion, we, we kind of look forward to that day when one day we'll share this meal in the kingdom of heaven. There'll be no more goodbyes, no more sadness, no more tears, no more death or decay or destruction. We'll just celebrate feasting in joy uh, with our King Jesus. And that's the, the vision here that Jesus gives to the church. I've, I've died and been raised so that we can have a relationship, an intimate fellowship around the table together. And this is what Jesus says in Luke, 20, uh, Luke 12, sorry, in one of his parables. Following on, he says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Keep the heat in your faith. Keep, keep your lives zesty. Because uh, the word in um, the Revelation text is, is zestin. It's a Greek word, but it's where we get zesty. He says, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes, when Jesus comes, and when he knocks, you meant to say, come in, Jesus. All right. Um, I should have given you some warning for that, but uh, it, it was a good effect nonetheless. When he comes, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching. Truly, I tell you, get this. He will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. So Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I want to come in and, and eat with you and, and share um, a wonderful um, banquet with you. But get this, in Luke 12, he says, I'm going to prepare the banquet. I'm going to prepare the food. I'm going to prepare the banquet. I'm going to do the washing up. You just sit at the table, my friends. I'm going to serve you. This is the promise. And he's saying to the Laodiceans, look, you think you have it all in this life. You think you're comfortable. It's all... Look, there's so much to come, so much joy, so much wonder, so much goodness. And I want to share it with you, but let me in. Let me into your life. And then he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with God, my father, on his throne, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is a beautiful promise that we don't just um, get to be in God's kingdom, in the heavenly kingdom. We get to have authority. We get to share in God's reign and ruling of this new reality. Uh, we get a part in it. We, we get um, God shares with us his authority and his power in this new kingdom. We get the invitation of intimacy to eat uh, with Jesus as he serves us and, and, and we sit at his banquet table and we also get authority. What, what does that mean maybe to, to be part of creating new things and new work with him in the, in the eternal kingdom that is to come? So I think we need to do a, a get zesty kind of checklist here check your deeds not check your privilege check your deeds get zesty um, I would say just here's a few things to look at in our lives um, spiritual growth like do we do we read the scriptures there's so many ways now bible plans bible apps there's bibles everywhere um, there's so many ways to hear God's word I love listening to it the last couple of years I've really enjoyed just listening to the bible on the app um, prayer, uh, you know, having a rhythm, whatever that looks like for you, 
potentially it, it probably should look regular in terms of each day. Um, spiritual disciplines, um, you know, being spiritually fit, uh, cultivating our spiritual life, gathering with others in worship like we're doing tonight. Sometimes church is just so far down the list for people. Um, you know, they get there now and then if they can. But it's really important to gather with God's people, to be part of this tonight, to, to sing and, and praise God together, to pray together, to hear God's word. Uh, this is a way to help keep heat in your spiritual life, to keep zesty as we pray. Um, are we sharing meals and life with one another in the church community, um, being generous with our time uh, in serving, in our talents, in giving? Are we giving financially uh, to, to charity, to the mission and ministry of the, of the church? Um, are we missional-minded? Are we promoting the gospel? Are we sharing our faith? Are we keen to make Jesus known to others? Now, it's not saying that if, if you do all these things, you're going to be spiritually hot. You could do all these things and still be complacent or apathetic or your heart's not really in it. You're just going through the motions. But I, I would suggest that the lack of these things would probably be pretty high-grade evidence that there is lukewarmness in our lives that there isn't zestiness in our spiritual life. And look at what Jesus says, um, look at what the two disciples who met the risen Jesus said in Luke 24, we're just following on from the resurrection last week. They said, we're not our hearts burning within us, spiritual zestiness, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. I think there can be any zesty, hot spiritual life without God's word, without, script, without reading and meditating and, and loving God's word. And then a couple of other things that I thought of in terms of zestiness uh, spiritually, because remember the criticism here is lukewarmness. It's just kind of that, blah, that apathy state. I'll go to that one in a sec. Just when I was a chef uh, many years ago, um, yeah, if you've done food science or anything like this, you would know this and if you don't know this you should know this because it could save your life but food is very dangerous in a lukewarm state Uh, food needs to be kept cold like under four or five degrees celsius uh, or it needs to be kept hot above 60 degrees celsius just in terms of safety uh, uh, and um, the more it's in that mid zone and the longer it's in that mid zone the more dangerous the food becomes in terms of generating bacteria and uh, and so forth so if you do go out somewhere and you're served something and it's lukewarm don't eat it uh, it should be hot if it's a cold thing it should be cold uh, lukewarmness can be death and spirit in the physical and spiritually uh, jesus is warning the church it can be death spiritually too if we don't address it so jesus is foreshadowed as the one who will come by john the baptist in the two or three of the gospels and john the baptist says jesus will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire they kind of go together spiritual zestiness comes from the presence of god's spirit the holy spirit in our lives then in the book of acts when the holy spirit comes uh, they describe it as seeing like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and then in the book of hebrews we read therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship god acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. I just think about that sometimes, you know, when we gather on Sundays, when you come into this place, 
How do you come in? Not that God's here. Like God doesn't live here and during the week we come and feed him and make sure he doesn't get out. I mean, God's with us in our hearts. He's with you daily. You know, it's not just when we come here, but when we gather together, when we intentionally gather to worship, to pray, to hear his word, how do you prepare yourself to come? Just kind of come and drag in as late as you can be to not miss too much? Um, or do you come prepared? Do you think about do you pray for the people who are serving and leading? How do we prepare ourselves? Because it says here that we are to worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. when We gather together for our God is a consuming fire. So ultimately, the presence of God in our lives, seeking to, to continue growing spiritually, feeding ourselves spiritually, gathering together with others for worship and prayer and sharing and serving with our time, our talents, our finances, you know, promoting the gospel, wanting to make Jesus known. These are the, the spiritual zesty elements uh, that Jesus would want for us. And Jesus calls us to and he calls all of us to it. Now, I have a prayer to lead us in. You don't have to pray this prayer. It may not be a prayer that you want to pray. That's okay. I'm not going to force you. Um, it's a prayer I'm going to invite you to pray, and not just tonight, but perhaps over the week, to, to think about this. Remember, Jesus wants to speak truth to us because he loves us. He, he has so much more for the Laodiceans. Um, they're missing out on so much that he has for them because they're complacent, they're comfortable, they're well off. They're just kind of average people like the rest of the Laodiceans in the city. And Jesus has adventure and purpose and mission and gifts to give them and, and pathways to lead them on and possibilities to open for them that they haven't even imagined. And he wants them to take hold of what he has for them. But he tells them the truth. And he says, at the moment, Laodicean church, whom I love, my friends, when I see your church community, when I see what you're about, I feel sick. So I'm going to pray this prayer. I need to pray this prayer because lukewarmness uh, is something that uh, plagues all of us at different times in our lives. And it will be something we will face as Christian people. Uh, over and over again sometimes. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer. If you want to pray it with me as, as the team comes up, feel free to do that. But maybe let it be your prayer this week. So let me pray. Let me lead us in prayer. If you quietly want to say it with me, uh, you're welcome. Lord Jesus, I know you love me and you call me your friend. You gave your life for me. Lord, you forgave me and you've welcomed me to yourself. But be honest with me, Lord. Jesus, I'm ready for the truth. Be honest with me, Lord. Does the way I am living now, sometimes, in any way, make you feel sick? Lord, be honest with me. Does the way I'm living now, in any way, Do I cause you any nausea or any sickness? I'm sorry, Lord. That's not what I want. I don't want to make you sick. I want to make you happy. I want to bless you. I want to give you back the love you've given me. I want to surrender my life to you. I don't want to put other things before you. 
I don't want to have idols that I secretly love and worship before you. I don't want to waste the gifts and the time, the talents, the opportunities you've given me to serve you and make you known. I don't want to live a fruitless, faithless life. I want to be a good friend to you, Jesus, because you've been a good friend to me. I want to bless you. (laughs) I want to make you happy. I want to give back just a, a tiny little slither of the the love and the blessing that you've given me lord you deserve it all you deserve it all it all belongs to you it all goes back to you it all comes from you you deserve it all you are the you are the amen you are the faithful and true witness you are the ruler over god's creation how could i withhold anything from you you deserve all the praise you deserve all of my worship you deserve my life i surrender it to you lord Take me. I'm yours. Bless us, Lord. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Lord, thank you for being kind and gracious, for telling us the truth. Thank you for loving us enough to to risk the relationship by telling us difficult truths. We hear them and we receive them in the love that they were given. Thank you, Lord. Amen.